0: I, I'm just so thankful for uh, being able to have these outdoor services. Aren't you glad? And it's just been nice this summer to be able to just do this. And I'm so glad to be able to be online and for for everyone to catch us online. Many of you have been on vacation. You're like, hey, I can still catch a service online and taking advantage of that. Uh, just grateful for that. And um, let me just express to you how grateful I am for our church for just the the ability to have the outreach we did last week. To hand out um, the groceries, uh, let me just give you just a just just a neat story from that event. Um, the first car that pulled in asked for prayer, and we had over in this section here. If cars wanted to pull over for prayer, um, they could. And and uh, to be honest with you, I didn't think many people would take advantage of it. I'm like, oh, I don't know if many people. You know, your pastor, ye of little faith. You know, I was like, I don't know. But I was praying that people would take advantage of it. I was just so happy how many people took advantage for prayer and asked for prayer and and that's amen amen and um we also put a a booklet Within each bag of what the Bible is and how to read the Bible and how to, how to reach out to God and, and how God's word speaks to us. And, and my prayer is that, um, all the bags we, we handed out that, that people would read that, that they would find, um, their hope in Christ Jesus. So it's just, it was wonderful to be able to serve our community that way and to love on our community and just share the love of Christ through those, through those different ways. And I, d- I just want to say, church, well done. Well done, church. I'm just, as your pastor, I'm proud of you. I love you. Um, these are the things, you know, you think with with the coronavirus, it's like, how can we reach out? And it's amazing how God can still be God through all of this and still reach people's hearts and still be able to love on people and share the love of Christ, even during difficult times. Isn't God is good. Let's just say, let's admit, let's all say it together. God is good. God is good. Amen. Everybody online, God is good. And so um, I'm just grateful for that. So thank you uh, for just your prayers for that and all of you who who helped in that way. I'm just so very, very thankful for that. Let me just ask you a question this morning. we're, We're going through the book of Acts and we're in Acts chapter nine. And if you want to turn there, you can. We're going to be looking at the life and the conversion of the apostle Paul. But how many of you ever done something with the wrong motives? So, Maybe to everybody else it looked good, but you knew the real reason why you were doing it. So I'm gonna I'm just gonna be open and honest with you this morning. I've done some things with the wrong motives and uh one thing I did with the wrong motives when I was younger is that um, you know, we would go to church every Sunday and I have to admit, um, we started going to church, there was a lot of pretty girls at church. And so I have to admit that many times I would want to go to church to meet girls I, i'm just being honest with you uh they weren't the greatest so my, my parents were thinking boy barton you really want to go to church this is great you want to go to youth group every week now i did like going to youth group. there's friends but uh but there were girls there too so uh, you know that 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 sweetened the deal a little bit for me so my motives weren't 100 percent pure for doing that but it did work out because i met my wife in youth group so praise god uh you know god amen for that amen so it worked out good But have you ever done something and they weren't really, you you did something, it looked good on the outside, but you knew why you were doing it because you knew that deep down inside you were really wanting to get the accolades for it. It really wasn't as like, you know, praise God to him be all the glory for why I'm doing this, but really deep down inside we're were doing it to, to get some of the glory ourselves. And we, you know, there are times that we do things without the correct motives. And what I want to do today is I want to look at the life of Paul because Paul's conversion is 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 amazing, what happened to him. But Paul's life before his conversion, you would look at him and think, wow, what a religious guy. I mean, look at all the things that he's doing for God and look how zealous he is for God. So for other religious people that would look at the life of Paul, they would think, man, this guy's really got it together religiously. But when Paul, looking back over his life before he came to be a follower of Jesus Christ, understood that his motives weren't really entirely pure, that they really weren't about completely serving God, they were more about himself. And so I want to I want to look at the life of of Paul and understand his conversion in Acts chapter nine. Um, what's interesting is. Paul was headed down one road, and then God completely changed his course. And so Paul, before he came to Christ, what he was doing is he was persecuting the church, and anyone who followed Jesus, he was after you. And Paul was part of this religious Jewish group called the Pharisees, and they adhered to this strict obedience to the law of Moses. They were opposed to Jesus because what Jesus did when he came— is that he revealed the true nature of their heart and the true motive of their heart. And many of the Pharisees and the religious leaders at the time were very self-righteous. It looked like they were doing it for God, but they were really doing it for themselves and the way they looked. And so when Jesus came along, uh, he kind of poked the bear a little bit. He poked the religious bear, and they didn't like that. So, of course, they wanted to have Jesus killed. They were looking at different ways to embarrass him because they didn't like Jesus because he exposed the true motives of their heart. They would look religious on the outside, but their motives for serving God were really for self-glorification. And basically, if I could boil down many of the religious at that time, or the Pharisees or the religious leaders at that time, what you would see is they were more in love with their rules than loving God. And if we're not careful as followers of Jesus Christ, we can tend to be more in love with our rules than really loving God and really being obedient to God. Now, how many know that God wants us to live a holy life, and he doesn't want us to fall into the traps of sin because God knows what that will do to our lives and the consequences that come from that? But many times we use our rules as to kind of show off our own self-righteousness by the things that we don't do. And we like to proclaim those things to the world of what we don't do. And how many know many times God will expose the true motives of our heart? And if our hearts are truly to serve God and to glorify Christ and what he's done for us, how many know that humbles us? And that wants us to make us serve the world and to love the world, not not necessarily to judge the world and always point the finger at the world. And this is this is what Jesus came against. This is who Paul was. Paul in his letter to the Philippians says this about himself looking back to his pre-conversion. He says he called himself a Hebrew of the Hebrews. He said in regard to the law, the law of Moses, he goes, man, I was I was perfect. I was a Pharisee. He said as for zeal, persecuting the church. As for righteousness, based on the law, Paul said I was faultless. Basically, if you wanted to... Pick Paul and his personality type. He was a type A personality type of God. He was all in in his religious pursuits before he met Christ. Paul's whole identity was seen in his religious pursuits, not necessarily in his relationship with God. And what happens to Paul on the road to Damascus? Jesus grabs his life and his heart. And changes everything about him. Let me just say something. When Jesus grabs your life, everything changes. Everything changes. How many of you, whether you're online or you're sitting here today or sitting in your cars, how many of you, when you came to Christ, he changed your heart? He changed the way you looked at things. How many of you can relate to this? Like me, you grew up in church and you had one way of looking at religion and you thought religion was really about what you did and going to church and making sure you went through the right religious calisthenics, making sure you checked the box. But then when you came to Christ, he messed that all up for you. And he says, it really isn't about what you do. It's about my relationship with you. And all of a sudden, your motivation began to change. And you're like, yeah, it's not about this religious pursuit, it's about me pursuing Christ and his righteousness. And how he's changed my heart and life. And you began to look at the world differently. That didn't mean that your life was perfect. But you began to look at your problems differently. You began to look at people differently. Jesus gave you a different love for people. You began to care differently. How many of you can relate to that? Beat your horns. Raise your hands. Say an amen. All right. Good. Wow. A lot of you. That was good. So Paul's whole identity was seen in his religious pursuits, not in his relationship with God. And so Paul believed that Christians were actually a threat to Judaism. So if you've got your Bibles, you want to follow along here, just listen. Acts chapter 9, we're going to look at Paul's conversion here in the first nine verses. And I want you just to listen to what happened to Paul. This is pretty incredible. It says, Meanwhile, Saul, who is Paul, Saul was was breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus. So he found anyone there who belonged to the way, and this is what they called early disciples of Jesus, the way, whether man or woman, that he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. So Paul is on his way to Damascus to grab these people that are followers of Jesus and basically put them into prison, he's getting the letters. He's he's taking names. He's on this pursuit. This is what Paul was doing before he came to Christ, whether man or woman, that he might take them to prison uh, prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, "Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord?" Saul asked. "I am Jesus." who you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up, go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless, and they heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by hand to Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. So here's Paul's You know, here's his conversion to Christ, and he just had a coming to Jesus moment. How many of you have ever had that? You just had that coming to Jesus moment where you just knew you were wrong, and you're like, Jesus, I, I need your grace, I need your mercy, I need to repent. Let me give you a couple of uh, observations right off the bat. At first glance, this is pretty cool, right? This is a pretty cool conversion story. How many of you would be like, that would be a cool conversion story? Bright light, voice falling on the ground, I'm blind, and I go to somebody, they heal me, and this is a pretty cool conversion story. You see this flash of light from heaven, you hear a voice, Jesus speaking to Paul. At that point, this brightness of heaven blinded him. Now, I would say that's pretty neat. Have you ever thought to yourself and how you came to Christ that you're thinking to yourself, man, my conversion story is not that great. It's just, it's definitely not a Damascus road experience. And, and, and I think sometimes we think to ourselves, how come I don't have a Damascus road experience? My conversion story is pretty boring. Actually. Um, When I was younger, uh being in church you know we would have sometimes maybe some of you that were brought up in church you can remember this you'd have these uh, testimony services where people would share what God has done in their life, or, or how they came to Christ. It was kind of a testimony time. And there would, you would hear stories of people that were you know addicted to things and their struggles and how Jesus saved them and, and changed their life, and it was such this dramatic thing, and God did this great work in their heart, and they came to Christ, and they overcame their addictions. Now, as much as I love their stories, I would look at my story to come into Christ as, as pretty boring, right? And I didn't think that my story... My salvation story was cool or interesting. it was just it was just like you know i I went to youth group one time, and I heard the youth pastor speaking about Jesus, and I felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit, and I came to Christ you know i i didn't have you know I was sixteen years old, I was fifteen just getting ready to turn sixteen i didn't have all these addiction stories or you know you know all this hardship in my life at the age of fifteen you know i I didn't have that, and I remember someone sharing with me. That everyone's story coming to Christ is equally powerful because we're all sinners who need a Savior. It doesn't matter how you get there. It matters that we came to Christ. You see, the point of our testimony is not about me. It's about Jesus and what he's done for us. And so maybe for you, you coming to Christ was a process. It was over time. Maybe for you, you don't even remember a time you didn't really know Christ. You were just—and praise God for that. You were brought up in church, and, and you just heard the Word of God, and and, and over time you just, you just accepted Christ, and you knew that he was the way, the truth, and the life. Maybe for you it was a radical transformation when you came to Christ. Maybe for you it was a lot of bad decisions. The road to Christ was litter, littered with a lot of bad decisions, a lot of hurt and turmoil. But you came to Christ. And he saved you and he redeemed you. And so for you, it's just a, it's just an incredible story of God redeeming you. Whether you came to Christ as a child or when you were older, it doesn't matter. God is the one who changes us. And so for Paul, it was this dramatic conversion experience. Paul's conversion was unique to say the least. But the point of our conversion is Jesus. Jesus is the one that saves us. And I, I never want you to feel... For those of you that maybe were brought up in church or you feel like, well, my conversion story isn't that great. Every story about Jesus is powerful because Jesus is the one who changes sinners. And how many of us all know we're sinners who needs God's grace and we all need a Savior. And so how you came to that point? Praise God. You all have a testimony. And let me make just I just can I just take a rabbit trail real quick here, just a quick rabbit trail here. Some of you might be thinking, what's the deal with Paul? And his name's Saul. He's first called Saul and then he's called Paul. What's this Saul Paul controversy? Why is Paul sometimes called Saul? Let me just let me just get this out there because I know so many are just like, Pastor, I've been thinking that my whole life. What is going on with the Paul being called Saul? Are any of you wonder that? Four of you. Good. Okay, so let me let let me let me let me just say this real quick. I just want to take this rabbit trail real quick. There's a misconception that that many have that after Saul's conversion, his name was changed to Paul. So after his conversion, his name's changed to Paul. In fact, Paul is called Saul more than 11 times after his conversion. So what is it? Is it Saul or is it Paul? Is Saul the bad guy before his conversion and Paul's the good guy who serves Jesus? Well, the answer to the question is the two names are for the exact same person no one changed his name jesus didn't change his name it's simply a misconception that his name was changed the particular passage in acts that's the clincher for this is acts 13:9 when it says that saul also known as paul was filled with the holy spirit and looked at the sorcerer in the eye paul his name uh, paul is actually his name in the greek and his name saul is his name in in the hebrew so my middle name is anthony Barden Anthony Grace B-A-G, bag. That's why I don't get anything monogrammed, because it's just bag. So thanks, Mom and Dad, for that. So I'm, I'm a bag. My dad's a bag. And my twin sister, Barbara, and before she was married, was a bag, too. So we're all bags. So my middle name is is Anthony. So in Italian, it's Antonio. In Greek, it's Antonios. In Latin, Antonio. It's Antonius. I I just tell you what, I like Latin. I just like Latin names. Antonius Marcus Aurelius. Doesn't just sound tough. Yeah, it doesn't just sound tough. I like that Antonius. So I like the Latin version of Anthony Antonius. So so Luke calling Paul later in Acts. Calling him Paul would be a natural thing as Paul was reaching a Gentile culture in his missionary journeys. So that's it. So, all of you that have the question about the Paul Saul controversy, there is no controversy. It's the same exact name. His name was not changed. However, Paul's life was changed on the road to Damascus. And so here Paul, it's it's so funny because here Paul is going there to persecute the church and in a single moment, everything changes. Jesus tells Paul that he is ultimately persecuting him. Here's the irony. Paul goes from the one who was persecuting the church to the one who's now being persecuted. Jesus just laid him out flat. And so Jesus why are you persecuting me? And I want you to understand something here about Paul's conversion, because it is interesting that, that God blinded him for a time, and he was on the ground, and he says, why are you persecuting me? I want us to never believe the lie that a life in Christ will be easy and without trials. And see, I want you to listen to Paul's life as he looks back over his life at the end of his life and and his walk with Christ, he has this radical transformation to Christ. But Christ never promised Paul that his life would be easy. In fact, if you read through the book of Acts, as we've been reading and studying the books of Acts um, on our Sunday morning series, we see that Paul had a very difficult life. And we will see that in the upcoming uh, series and the upcoming messages, how difficult Paul had it. But I want you to see Paul looking back over his life as he writes to, to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, Six through eight. Here's what Paul says at the end of his life. He says, "For I'm already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. And I fought the good fight, and I've finished the race, and I've kept the faith. Now there's now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous Judge, will award me on that day. And not only me, but also to all who have longed for His appearing." Here's what Paul says about his life. It was all worth it. Everything that I did for Christ was worth it. Paul knew that he would spend eternity with Christ. All of Paul's pursuits before Christ became meaningless to him. They didn't bring him true freedom. He was a slave to his own righteous endeavors. Listen, we all serve idols in some way. And it's not this golden calf many of us think about so many times. But I like what Tim Keller says here. An idol is simply making a good thing an ultimate thing. And what Paul did before his conversion to Christ is he made religion his idol. He made his, his self-righteous pursuits his idol. And listen, we can do that today. We can make our jobs our idols or we can make our children our idols, whatever that may be. And we, we try to find our happiness and our fulfillment in those things. And guess what? When those things let us down, it rocks our identity. Amen. It, 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 it pulls away from the foundation that we thought we were building on that was so great. So we thought, well, I, you know, I thought this was going to work out in my life. I, I, I pursued all these different things. And when they ultimately let you down, you see what you're ultimately trusting. And for Paul, he looked back over his life and he said, these are the things I trusted before Christ and they became meaningless to me. And he writes this to the Philippians church. And I want you to see what he said when he compared his former life to his life in Christ. He said, yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I've discarded everything. I've discarded anything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith, not my religious endeavors. Paul said it was by faith in Christ what paul came to understand it's jesus's righteousness that makes us righteous it's by us putting our faith in jesus that makes us righteous not my righteous acts somebody say amen because that that is so freeing when i don't feel like i have to do everything perfect because we can do one thing good one day and then mess up the next day and then it's just like a roller coaster ride in our christianity paul understood that his righteous endeavors before christ were meaningless and this is what he says in verse 10 of Philippians here, he says, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, thus sharing in his death. Philippians chapter 3, verses 8 through 10. Those are some of my favorite verses in the New Testament. They give me so much hope that it's through Christ that we find our righteousness, not through ourselves. And so Jesus gave him all he was looking for. He gave Paul freedom He gave him freedom from guilt. He gave Paul a new identity that was not based in himself but in Christ. This is what I love about having our identity in Christ. No matter what happens in this world, whether um, I have a job or I might lose my job or whatever, whatever those things that I pursue that that I feel give me my identity— I don't have to allow those things to give me my identity. My identity is now in Christ. That whether my kids are close to Christ or maybe you have your kids that are struggling right now and they're away from the Lord, that doesn't affect who you are in Christ. What it allows you to do is say, I need to pray for my kids. I need to keep loving my kids. But that's not my identity. My, My identity comes from Christ. My identity doesn't come from my job or how successful I am in all these different endeavors that I have in my life. My identity comes through, comes from Christ, and this is what Paul discovered. So he had freedom from guilt, he found a new identity, he found forgiveness, and then he found ultimately a true love for God. So without Christ, all our worldly chasing will end up in just disappointment. Our worldly pursuits have no context in comparison to, to eternity, just remind yourself of that it 's okay to have hobbies and to enjoy this life. God wants us to enjoy these things, but put it in proper perspective. when we put Jesus first in our life, he gives us context for our lives because this life is not all that there is. He puts our life in in the, process, or in the, in the perspective of eternity that no matter what I go through i 've got heaven i 've got Jesus. I get to ride fast, loud motorcycles in this world. No, I'm just teasing. I've got Jesus. I've got I've got everything that he gives to me and, and more and more. And so my hope and my joy comes from knowing that Jesus purchased eternity for me. So no matter what happens in this world, I know that I have Christ. Amen? And so Paul's life came together when he submitted to Christ. And so I, I want to just give you one more thing as we close and we just sing... Just a great song about God's goodness as we close today. I want to read Acts 26, 14, because it gives us a little more insight to Paul's conversion. And Jesus says something very specific to Paul here that I want you to listen to. And it's found in Acts 26, um, verse 14. And here Paul's at the end of Acts, Paul's explaining his 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 conversion experience with with Jesus. And he says, this is what Jesus said to said to him, and he says, And when he had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It's hard for you to kick against the goads. Now, there's a saying, and we don't really say it now, but there was a saying then that was called kicking against the goads. And basically, a goad was a sharp stick used to prod an oxen. And when they were stubborn, they would fight against the person that was trying to get the oxen to do the work. And so they needed a little prodding to do the work. And so what Jesus was telling Paul, why are you fighting my will? You will not win. And so what Paul thought, he thought his motives were correct. Before Christ, he thought he was actually doing what was right before God, but actually he was fighting against God's will. And here's where I want to end today. Have you ever been a place in your life where you sensed you were fighting God's will? You knew what God wanted from you, yet you resisted. I want to tell you that's not a fun place to be. And here's what I want. To, here's here's how I want to end our time here here today. Maybe you're in a holding pattern in your life right now, and maybe you're getting impatient, and maybe you're you're getting ahead of God and what He wants for you. And I would tell you today: be patient with God. Maybe. You're not seeing the results in your children that, that you want to see right away, or, or, or maybe um, the prayers that you've been praying are not being answered right away. I want you to understand something about Paul and Paul's life as he reflects back over his life in many of his epistles. He understood one thing, is that you have to trust God through everything in your life, and not everything probably turned out the way Paul thought it would turn out, but he knew of Jesus' faithfulness. That as he looked back over his life, he said, I ran the race. I ran the good race, and I know what's waiting for me now. It's a crown of righteousness. So I think these are good words for us to hear today. That if you're fighting against God's will or you're trying to get ahead of God, I would tell you to wait on God and rest in him today. I I would tell you to find that quiet place with God. I think we are so rushed in our lives. And and there's so many things that can distract us. You know, we have our phones with us all the time and social media, and there's so many things that just distract us. Here's what I would tell you today. I would tell you to find that quiet place with God and let God just speak to your heart and give his rest and, and, and allow him to give you patience in this time in your life. If, if, if COVID has taught us anything It's taught us that we need to rely on God and be patient with him and knowing that God is still doing a work in our lives, that he's still doing something deeper in our lives if we just trust him and wait on him. And I don't know about you, but I'm just an impatient person. You know, I don't think the microwave works fast enough. You know, I just I don't know if you're like me, but that's just my nature. I just want things done yesterday. And when is this going to happen and how is this going to happen? And then the Lord just says, Barden, you need to wait on me. And that's the hard part about being a follower of Jesus Christ is being patient with God and allowing his will to be worked in our lives. And for Paul, I know Paul looking at his life probably never envisioned himself being shipwrecked and beaten and stoned. But the longer he walked with God, he saw God working in his life and that God used all those circumstances for his glory and used Paul as an instrument of his grace and his power as Paul served him. So as we go further into the book of Acts, we're going to see that Paul wasn't a perfect person, but we're going to see how God worked through Paul, even in the difficult trials in his life. And so I want you just to realize that that God is with us. And even through the trials in our lives and the difficult circumstances and the time that we wait on God, God is still with us. Good. He is a good God. And when you get in those quiet times with the Lord and allow him to speak to your heart, I'll tell you what, he'll speak to your heart and he'll give you his rest and his peace and his patience, knowing that he is with us and he will never leave us or forsake us. Amen. I know I need that word today. So I'm glad that you came today. And so I want to pray for you as the worship team comes. We're just going to close in the song about God's goodness. And I want you to look at the words of that song. I want to allow it just to speak to your heart and minister to you today. If that's you today and you're just struggling and and struggling, waiting on God, let's not fight against God's will. Let's wait on him and knowing that God is doing a deeper work in our heart and knowing that God loves us. He disciplines us because he loves us. He allows us to wait because he loves us and he wants us to draw closer to him and have a greater dependency on him each and every day so father god we just come before you and god when we go through difficult things in our lives and we have to wait on you it is not easy but you have given us promises in your word that you would be with us that we can cast all our cares upon you because you wait for us so god we thank you for the story that we have and we see of Paul's conversion to you and how you changed his life—you ch- how he changed paths for you, but ultimately, Lord, how he submitted to your will and followed you through the good and the, and the and the difficult things in his life, and how looking back over his life, he counted it all worthy. He counted it all good because he got to know you more and more and more, and didn't doubt your love for him and your goodness in his life. And I pray that you would fill our hearts today, God, with your love. God, that our confidence would be in you. Even when life doesn't seem like it's making sense, we can put our confidence in you, Jesus, knowing that you will walk with us through it. So, God, we turn our hearts and our lives over to you. We turn these specific situations that we're going through right now, we turn them over to you and give us your patience, God as we walk through these things and allow us to see you in a greater light and allow us to experience your love in a deeper way. We thank you for your word today, and we just love you, and we thank you, and we ask all these things in your name, Jesus, in your name alone. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Let's sing this unto the Lord. God bless you today.